Before we get started on this teaching, please understand that this teaching may not be suitable for all viewing audiences. Please use discretion and maybe perhaps view this before watching it with younger children. Hello and welcome to another teaching from 119 Ministries. Our ministry believes that the whole Bible is still true and directly related to our lives today. If you would like to know more about what we believe and teach, please visit us at testeverything.net. We hope that you enjoy studying and testing the following teaching. To those who have never heard it before, what is the Serpent Seed Doctrine? Simply stated, the Serpent Seed Doctrine teaches that the sin of Eve was not simple disobedience, but the actual sexual contact with the serpent, and that Cain was the son of Eve and of the devil. Cain's descendants are, according to this idea, the sons of Satan. Cain's descendants are not included in the plan of salvation. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. What is taught in some understandings of this verse is that the seed of the serpent is a literal physical seed. Supposedly, there is a genetic lineage of Cain, and all his lineage are a child of the devil. We have two choices before us. Either the seed spoken of in Genesis is a spiritual metaphor, or it is biological and physical. Either being a child of the devil is a matter of the heart, or it is genetic and the serpent is a literal father of a non-human race starting with Cain. Those are our two choices. We need to test each to the Word of God to determine which is valid. The support for this doctrine, at least on the surface, can appear rather convincing. So let's review some of the major tenets of this doctrine. Genesis 3.13 is often cited, with the claim that the word translated as beguiled in the King James Version really meant seduced. At that point, it is extrapolated that the serpent sexually seduced Eve. Genesis 3 verse 13. And Yahweh Elohim said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Strong's defines the Hebrew word used here as to be deceived, and that is how the ESV translates this verse, Genesis 3.13. Then Yahweh Elohim said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. There is a Hebrew word that can be and is used in the scriptures to mean seduced in a sexual sense. However, it should be noted that this particular word is not present in Genesis 3.13. There really is not much scholarly support for interpreting Genesis 3.13 to mean that the serpent sexually seduced Eve. The Hebrew text can be stretched to perhaps loosely imply this, but we will see later how this interpretation does not really make much sense and hold up to the test. Moving on. Another supposed proof text is in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 20. Proverbs 30.20 metaphorically compares the act of eating with sexual immorality. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 20. 
This is the way of an adulteress. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wrong. The linkage is necessary in this idea because the sin of Adam and Eve is mentioned to include eating. Thus, there is a need to attempt to prove that when Adam and Eve ate, it meant something sexual instead of something literal. In addition, Proverbs 30.20, the adulteress says, I have done no wrong, whereas Eve promptly admitted her wrongdoing. The attempt to link Proverbs chapter 30 verse 20 to the sin of Eve fails substantially. Moving on to another common point. It could quickly be pointed out that Adam and Eve realized that they were naked, and thus their physical nakedness implies something sexual in nature occurring in context. However, the physical nakedness is here metaphorically to teach on their current absence of covering for their sin. Let's read Genesis chapter 3 verses 5 through 7. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired and to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some of it to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. We must understand that the physical is often used to teach us the spiritual. Being in sin makes us naked and exposed to God's judgment. We need to be covered for that sin to no longer be naked and ashamed. We can see that God was our first high priest in which he slaughtered an animal and used its skin to cover Adam and Eve, immediately pointing them to the sacrifice that Yeshua would eventually make for us to atone for all sin and to cover all men in the faith. Genesis 3.21 And Yahweh Elohim made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. In order for garments of skin to cover them, an animal had to die. Thus, their realization of physical nakedness is to teach a spiritual understanding of their spiritual nakedness and lacking a covering for their sin. This is an understanding from Genesis also found elsewhere in the scripture as well. Nakedness does not mean something sexual in nature, but a lack of a spiritual covering in intentional sin and lack of faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 2-4 through 4. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Revelation chapter 3 For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Revelation 16 Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. So we can see that just because they have realized that they are naked, it does not mandate that what just transposed is something sexual in nature. It simply means that Adam and Eve were found to be in sin, that they were spiritually naked. They were certainly physically naked as well, but the physical situation teaches the spiritual condition. That is the intended purpose here. Because they were physically naked and ashamed, they needed a physical covering. On a spiritual level, they were also spiritually naked and ashamed because of their sin. 
Therefore, God sacrificed an animal and covered them in its skin as a spiritual covering, pointing us to what later would be accomplished by our Messiah when the events of the first century covered our sins in his sacrifice. So, back to Genesis 3. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired and make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. If we attempt to use Proverbs chapter 30, verse 20, to try to prove that the fruit in Genesis 3 is referring to a sexual act between Eve and the serpent, then we have a few serious things that we now need to deal with. We need to consider that it was stated that Adam was with Eve when Eve ate the fruit from the serpent, which means that we'd have to believe that Adam sat around and watched the serpent have sex with his wife. But don't stop there. Then, after that, Eve decided to give Adam some sexual relations with the serpent. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Strange doctrine indeed. So. Here's what we have with the serpent seed doctrine. First, Adam watched his wife have sexual relations with a serpent. Then, Eve thought that sexual relations with the serpent was great. So she offered the same sexual relations with the serpent to Adam. And then Adam agreed and then proceeded to have homosexual relations with a serpent in front of Eve. Does that even sound right? Is that what we expect really happened? Now, we are not trying to mock the doctrine or teaching but simply expose its biblical error. But it is about to become even more absurd. We have to be consistent with the application of the metaphors. If eating fruit means sexual relations with the one giving it, then there is something more to consider. If the serpent giving the fruit of the tree of knowledge and good and evil means sex with the serpent, what does it mean when God initially gave Adam and Eve the fruit from the tree of life? Does that mean that Adam and Eve were having sexual relations with God? We would have to believe that if it meant that Adam and Eve were having sexual relations with the serpent by eating the fruit. We cannot choose application of the metaphor in one instance and attempt to ignore it just a few verses prior. Remember, the physical teaches the spiritual. In the physical, the fruit is the product of a tree. It is the result of life of the tree. It is what the tree does. In scripture, fruit does not symbolize sexual relations. Instead, Fruit symbolizes our obedience or disobedience as good fruit or bad fruit. For instance, watch how fruit symbolizes obedience to the word of God in the following. Mark chapter 4. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word of God and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Good fruit is hearing and accepting the word of God. And since the Word of God contains instructions, it means conforming to and following the Word of God, exactly how our Messiah did as the example to follow. Luke chapter 3, verse 9. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Luke 6, 43. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. Matthew chapter 7. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit 
is cut down and thrown into the fire. Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. We can clearly see that in Scripture, fruit does not mean sexual relations, but instead it means obedience or disobedience. Otherwise, we would have to believe that the one who has good sexual relations is the one who lives, but the one who has bad sexual relations is the one who is thrown into the fire. Clearly, that is not what is meant to be understood. Metaphors mean things in scriptures, most certainly, but we need to be consistent in the application of those metaphors. Also note that the fruit contains seed. That is metaphorically relevant as well. We will cover the importance of that next. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. This verse is used to attempt to prove that the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman is referring to something physical. Our Messiah taught that the seed is the Word of God. Watch how simple this definition is. Luke chapter 8. The seed is the Word of God. It cannot be more simple than that to define the metaphor of the seed. The work is done for us. This is one of the few instances in which the definition of the metaphor is given to us. We are not told that the seed is either the physical, biological genetics of God or the physical, biological genetics of the serpent. No, the seed of God is the Word of God. The seed of the serpent is deception that is against the Word of God. Peter teaches the same, 1 Peter chapter 1. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. If the seed of God is the Word of God, then the seed of the adversary or serpent is whatever is against the Word of God. This makes complete sense because those who follow the Word of God have always been at odds with those who do not follow the Word of God. Now we also understand the nature of the seed that is in the fruit. Remember, from the beginning, like kind produces like kind. When Adam and Eve ate the fruit from the serpent, they were following the instructions of the serpent and against the instructions from God. And ever since then, the seed that followed the Word of God has been against the seed that does not follow the Word of God. This is the theme from Genesis to Revelation. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. This is why believers in the Word of God are referred to as the woman, or the bride of the Messiah. Thus, the seed is not physical and biological in this case, but completely metaphorical. Seeds are chosen as a metaphor because seeds carry instructions in them, just like the Word of God carries instructions, or there are the false instructions of the enemy. Whatever instructions we follow will dictate what type of tree we become and what type of fruit we produce. For more on this, please see our teaching titled, Snakes and Scorpions. Back to the verse. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. Another problem is this. Cain was supposedly the seed of both the serpent and Eve, whereas all others would be the seed of Adam and Eve. 
Thus, both Cain and every other person on the planet Earth would be the seed of Eve. So, it does not make sense to try to imply that Cain is not the seed of the woman, but only the seed of the serpent. This verse cannot support the serpent seed doctrine. It cannot be referring to Cain as the seed of the serpent because it is contrasted against the seed of the woman. If the serpent seed doctrine is true, Cain is the seed of both the woman and the serpent. Let's move on. Genesis 4. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of Yahweh. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. Sometimes it is stated that the Bible does not refer to Adam knowing his wife again before the birth of Abel, and this indicates to the subscriber of the serpent seed theory that Cain and Abel were twins. According to this theory, it was made possible through the process of heteropaternal superfecundation where the mother ovulates more than one egg and has more than one partner during her fertile period. One egg is fertilized with sperm from one partner and the other egg from sperm of another partner. Hence, it is contended that Cain was the son or seed of the serpent and Abel was the son of Adam. However, in verse 2, we have a Hebrew word that means and again. Thus, what happened again was the same thing that occurred in verse 1. So in both instances, for both Cain and Abel, Adam knew Eve and bore a child. The birth of Cain was also the result of Adam knowing Eve. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. To know your wife in such context means intimate relations. And in this case, the result of Adam knowing Eve they conceived Cain. Consider these examples, Genesis chapter 4. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. Judges 19. But the men would not listen to him, so the man seized his concubine and made her go out to them. And they knew her and abused her all night until the morning. And as the dawn began to break, they let her go. 1 Kings chapter 1. The young woman was very beautiful, and she was of service to the king and attended to him, but the king knew her not. Matthew chapter 1 When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. As we can clearly see, it was Adam who knew Eve and thus conceived Cain, not the serpent who knew Eve and conceived Cain. Genesis chapter 4 now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of Yahweh. It is also often noted that Cain's lineage is ignored in Scripture. This is inferred to mean that Cain was not human, and his lineage is of that of the serpent. That is what is called a logical fallacy. The reality is that Cain's lineage is not mentioned because Cain's lineage never survived the flood and thus his lineage is irrelevant. Also used to teach the serpent seed doctrine is John chapter 8. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. It is taught that Jews are biologically fathered by the devil because of this verse. 
just like Cain supposedly was. However, as we learned earlier, those of the good seed follow the word of God, and thus God is their father. And those who follow the ways of man and the world also follow the adversary, and thus the devil is their father. This is a spiritual understanding, and not literal. It must be, for the Messiah recognized that the Jews are indeed of the lineage of Abraham, not the serpent. He said it himself just a few verses earlier. John chapter 8, verse 37. I know that you are offspring of Abraham. It is a mistake to assume that because one is referred to as a child of the devil, that it is biological in nature. The reality is that it is spiritual in nature. At one time, we all practice sin. 1 John chapter 3. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God, and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God nor is the one who does not love his brother. You can clearly see how whose child we are is not defined by our physical father, but by whose instructions we are following, either for the word of God or against the word of God. And this was the same for Cain. He was not a physical child of the serpent, but a spiritual child of the serpent. 1 John 3 For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. There are other things to consider as well. Galatians 3.28 states that race nor status has any impact on the possibility of salvation. 2 Peter 3.9 says that God wants everyone to be saved, not everyone but the children of Cain. As one final yet profound point, if Cain was indeed the devil's son and by default excluded from salvation, then why would Yahweh say this in Genesis 4 verses 6 through 7? Yahweh said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. That single verse alone dismantles the entire serpent seed doctrine. Yahweh himself acknowledges that Cain had potential of being accepted. But Cain chose the wrong path. Cain was not of some non-human race spawned by the serpent, but simply a human that chose ways contrary to Yahweh. We hope that this teaching was of some value and offers some thoughts to consider related to the serpent seed doctrine. Ultimately, we are free to believe whatever we choose. We simply ask that you test everything to the Word of God and only hold on to what is good. We hope that this teaching has blessed you. And remember, Continue to test everything. Shalom.
It is because of you, our generous supporters, who make it possible to offer these high-quality teachings completely free of charge. If you feel led to support 119 Ministries so that we can continue this effort, please visit testeverything.net and click on the Support 119 tab. Learn how you can partner with us to take the whole Word of God to the nations.